This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Kim. And today's episode is on a country that I have grown to become very fond of over the years. I mean, especially since I visited. And that country is Scotland. But for this episode, just a reminder of the format of this season for the Euros is I'll introduce the the host city itself, which in this case is Glasgow. And if I have any personal experience with it, I'll share my stories about it. And then I'll introduce the, uh, the stadium where it's playing at. And then I'll introduce the concept or cultural artifact which influences the game or how the game is enjoyed or understood and approached by that said country. And then I'll end it with the game that will happen most recently with Scotland. So for the longest of time, I've been fascinated by Scotland. Movies like Trainspotting and Braveheart were my only exposure to Scotland. I mean, like two drastically different movies. But the impressions of popular culture have developed a particular awareness with the highlands of Scotland and Scotch. I mean, if you just drink Scotch and look at the highlands and have bagpipes playing in the background, you'd be like, wow, like it would be like watching Outlander or something like that. <laughs> but it has a very um, romantic feel. The country has a very romantic perception, of course. So because of all that romance, in 2015, I decided to go by myself to Scotland. But because of time and budget, I was only allowed for Edinburgh and London in about like four or five days each. And honestly, I, I always encourage people to travel by themselves. It's probably one of the best things you could do for yourself. You learn a lot more more of who you are, what you like, and also your patience develop and changes. You no longer wait for your friends to do things anymore. You just get up and do things on your own. And that's what that trip really taught me. Anyway, from my short time in Scotland, I knew I could live there. It was It's incredible. I love Edinburgh. It was beautiful. People were nice, very inviting, also very international. So it made it definitely easier to feel comfortable in Edinburgh when everyone was like, a lot of people were international students. But that being said, not a lot, not a lot of places in the world give me that feeling. You know, I've been to some of the greatest cities around the world. You know, Rome, uh, Paris, London, Brussels. I consider Seoul, South Korea as one of the greatest cities in the world. New York City, Toronto, Buenos Aires. Like I've been to a lot of great cities, but something about Edinburgh that just or just not Edinburgh, just Scotland was like, I I just loved it. I really did. But I made one mistake and that was I landed in Edinburgh or I landed in Scotland the day after England played Scotland in Scotland in the Rugby Six Nations competition. So the Six Nations rugby competition is kind of like the Euros of rugby. It's between Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, France, and Italy. It happens once every year, and it's like a you know, Six Nations rugby competition. So that being said, i never been to Glasgow. I never really had time to go to Glasgow, but I was always very interested of the city. I heard so much about it. I've also heard a lot of, like, you know, a bad reputation of uh, a lot of knife Violence happens in Glasgow, a lot of fighting, a lot of drinking, abusive drinking, apparently. And uh, and I was always, I was very interested because I've also heard that Glasgow has been changing, has become more a little more tourist friendly or easier to travel to. But I never went. So I started asking people while I was in Edinburgh and I asked tourists, expatriates and uh, locals. And they all gave me ver- a variety of different answers. The tourists 
would say, well, most of the tourists I asked said they didn't like Glasgow. It wasn't as appealing. They thought it was a little dirty, a little, um, I guess, uh, a little sketchy, a little edgy, rather. It's a party city, so they said if you're an older person, maybe Glasgow may not be the best place to visit. It's a good place to visit when you're young. So most tourists weren't too fond of Glasgow that I've asked. Expatriates, mostly Americans living in Scotland, said that Glasgow is amazing to visit if you know someone that's from Glasgow. They highly recommend you go visit Glasgow uh, with, a to- with a local. Which, I mean, I feel like that's rule number one or that is the most important thing to do when you travel anywhere is to have a local to kind of show you around. That's probably the best thing. So that makes sense. But also what they're saying is that when you have a local get showing you around, not only is, is the local going to show you the best spots, but also help you navigate certain sketchy scenarios or how to avoid those sketchy scenarios. But for all in all, Scottish people I found were very open and very welcoming. And like if you match their vibe, you'll be fine as long as that vibe isn't a fighting vibe. <laughs> when I asked the Scottish locals living in Edinburgh, they all said Glasgow is amazing. They said you have to go. They said if you want to understand and experience the real Scotland, they said go to Glasgow because I guess that's where most of the Scottish people from like everywhere from all over the country, they it seems like they moved to Glasgow. I guess if I were to compare it, it's kind of like, I guess in a way, if we're compared to Canadian cities, Edinburgh is like... Edinburgh's Toronto and Montreal's Glasgow. Most of the Scottish locals are telling me that Glasgow is really the you get the urban you you get the urban Scottish experience in Glasgow. Whereas Edinburgh is very international. So you get it's still very Scottish, but it's not the same way as Glasgow is. And importantly, in relation to football, Glasgow is home to Hampton Park. Hampton Park opened in 1903. It's over 100 years old, 120. Or 117, if you want to get very accurate. Or 118, because it's 2021. Anyway, Hampton Park is a national football stadium of Scotland with a capacity of 52,000 people. It's pretty pretty big. This is Scotland's Wembley. So this is sort of like their home. This is like the mecca of Scottish football in, in some ways. In terms of appearance, the stadium is like any other stadium. It doesn't really stand out in its, in its own way. I mean, it's oval-shaped, uh, has an open roof. Uh, there's a running track around the pitch. And, you know, it's just like, it's like any other stadium, really. But it's not really about the stadium. What makes Hampton Park special isn't necessarily the stadium, but the fans. The Scottish fans that make the venue electrifying. The unique aspect of the stadium is called the Hampton Roar. Uh, if you go on YouTube and look up Hampton Roar, the one I'm about to play is is uh, is when they're singing the national anthem versus Italy. And it was recorded by an Italian fan.
So as you can hear, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, it's pretty loud. It's pretty lit. I mean, you heard one of the Italian fans say it's unbelievable. You, you heard some clapping in the background, and those were the Italian fans clapping the national anthem, showing the respect of the performance of the of national anthems. And if there's any country national fans that enjoy national anthems or who do it well, it's probably the Italians. If you watch the Italians sing the national anthem, it's like there's a lot of pride. It's really fun to watch. But that being said, the stadium, because of the Hampton Roar, it reaches 109 decibels regularly. An average European stadium reaches like 89 decibels or something like that, or maybe a little more, but definitely less than 109. So it says a lot about this venue. And I guess to give you a brief history, one of the most iconic moments that happened at Hampton Park was uh, 2002. Zinedine Zidane's left-footed volley against Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League final. I'm not going to get all, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna write this artistic essay about what happened. But basically, if you just YouTube uh, Real Madrid versus Bayer Leverkusen 2002 Champions League final, you're gonna see Zinedine Zidane's incredible goal assisted by Roberto Carlos. It's just like he, it's the balls in the air, and before the ball hits the ground, this it's called a volley. He hits it one time on his left foot, and he hits it so perfectly. His weaker left foot. Hits it so well, it goes top corner, and it's considered to this day and still agreed by everyone that is the greatest Champions League goal ever scored. Gareth Bale's overhead kick, his bicycle kick against Liverpool a couple of years ago, that's considered up there. Now it's if not, that is second. And then Mandzukic, and then yeah, Mandzukic's goal against Real Madrid in, in Cardiff at the Champions League final that was probably third. But Zidane's left-footed volley is just—it's beautiful. It's art. It's also because Zidane's way of playing football is is artistic. It's beautiful. But we're talking about Scotland right now, so let's put Zidane aside. <laughs> anyway, just YouTube it. It's amazing. So I'm saying all this, and I talk about the Hampton Roar and how it's not really about the stadium; it's about the fans that make it amazing. You know, that's a very Protestant way of seeing things, where the church is not important. It's the lady it's a people who occupy the church that's more important whereas in the catholic faith the church as a symbol and as an as an institution is very important because it's the middleman between humanity and god whereas for protestants it's you know it's not about the stadium it's not about the church it's about the people and their personal connection with the divine and if you want to compare it to football i mean Hampton Park is a good example of that. It's not about the stadium itself. It's about the people who occupied and their connection with the national team and with football. And I lend that connection with the Scottish ideas, or at least the way they express that. I connected with what I discovered with to be Kaylee. So for this episode, I've always I've always understood the Scottish to be party animals. They drink a lot. They love the festivities. They go out and. And the more I started digging into their cultural roots, I discovered Kaylee. Uh, I've, I know a Kaylee. I've, I've met Kayleys. And one thing I know is that it's a common girl's name. <laughs> That's one. And and if you're Irish and Scottish, you know that, may, that name means uh, celebration. So according to the Royal Scots Club, it's like a, it's like a, it's a website that I found. The word Kaylee descends from the Gaelic word gathering or party. Originally, Kaylee were simply local gatherings that developed into a form of literary entertainment with storytelling, recitations, and songs. Instrumental music and dancing were added later, and the Kaylee, as we now know it, was born. The beauty of Kaylee is everyone can partake. Young or old, beginners to experienced dancers, and even just bad dancers. The caller, 
I guess the caller, well, as it applies, a person who get, I guess, gets the party started. The caller will run through the steps before the dance starts, so you have time for a quick practice. So basically, Kaylee is just like, uh, if you YouTube it, it kind of looks like line dancing in the American South. I mean, it has a similar vibe, which would make sense because most of the people who've uh, settled, besides indigenous people, of course, but like most of the Europeans who've settled into the American South, were especially in the Appalachian the mountains, are mostly Scotch-Irish immigrants, Scottish and Irish or Scotch-Irish immigrants. So remember that with Kaylee, it's not about your station or how good you are, or how old you are. If and you know, it's not about that. It's about just coming together and having a good time. And when I think of Scottish football, you don't think of the national team. You think about the clubs. You think of Glasgow Rangers or Glasgow Celtic, as I've covered in the previous season in episode one of Soccer and War, Old Firm Derby, and. Yeah, and you don't really think of the national success of the team, you know, like a lot of countries, you could both look at the the success of the leagues, the clubs that are in that leagues, and also the success of the country if they won the Champions League or if they pro- are constantly producing great players. Scotland at the national level isn't necessarily that. We don't really think of, when we think of Scotland, we don't think of the national team. When we think of Scotland, we think of the clubs. But in the context of the Euros, you know, the Scottish don't make it to the Euros as often. The Irish make it more often than the Scottish. And and that's kind of important because there's a self-awareness among Scottish fans is that they don't get to be here all the time. They don't get to be at the Euros all the time. They've always been, I guess, observers. They always watch the competition without their country being involved. Same with the World Cup. And when you have that in mind and then your country finally gets into the Euros, what do you do? I mean, of course, you want to see your country win and you would do everything it takes for them to win. But in the back of your head, you understand that Scotland isn't a powerhouse in Europe. Yes, Rangers and and Celtic are incredible big clubs, but it doesn't always transfer over at the national level in today's game. And so that being said, when you think about Kaylee and how the Scottish fans are, you could tell that this is an important moment and they cannot let this go to waste, meaning enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy being at the Euros. And it's, it's like, just enjoy the now. You know what I mean? And it's 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 almost, it's a, that kind of thinking and that kind of mentality is the most clear way of approaching life, I guess, or even approaching soccer. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. And that's what they did. I mean, throughout the UK, the Scottish fans just went nuts when they've tied against England. They tied 0-0 against England a few days ago. And they're celebrating. The English fans were not celebrating because they play like garbage. And also there's a lot of questions about their their coach who I, I don't get him. But Scotland, I watched that game. Scotland, England versus Scotland. And it was played at Wembley Stadium. And what you need to understand is that between England and Scotland, that rivalry is is ancient. It's old. It's it's traditional. It's um during the national anthems, when Scotland was playing their national anthem and singing it, the English fans are booing it. When the English fans were singing God Save the Queen, the Scottish fans were booing it. And so a lot of people would be like, that's really disrespectful, and that's how you start fights. And it seems like in soccer, that was just like the way the commentators talked about it. Actually, the one thing that the commentator, I forget who it was, he said this one thing which captures what this game is about. And what he said was, this is a rivalry that has tribal history. That was a perfect sentence. It just says that, what he pretty much says that this game between England and Scotland is not really about soccer at the end of the day. This is an ongoing 
fight that's been happening since the beginning of UK history, of English history, not just English history, of British history in general. And now they're seeing that version of fighting happening on the pitch. So when they boo each other, each other's anthems, it's that's banter. For them, that's banter because they've been doing that since day one. That line, tribal history, ah, that perfectly encapsulates what this game was about because it's obvious that the English are the powerhouse, but Scotland, their goal, their mission was to minimum get a draw, get one point from this game, get a draw. If you can win, of course, get the win because England will come at them. Unfortunately for England, they were boring. And fortunately for Scotland, they played well. And what I love about seeing the Scottish team, going back to Kayleigh, is that there's a lot of spirit on this team. That there's no one there's no one superstar. There's no I mean Andy Robertson's perhaps the biggest name on the team because he plays for Liverpool, one of the best left backs in England in the Premier League right now. Or well, maybe this last season he wasn't as great, but generally speaking, one of the most solid left backs in the Premier League right now. And the that draw against England was a team collective. The Scottish played so well. They punched way above their weight, especially losing to the Czech Republic which I thought the Scottish could have won because they were playing at home. They lost 2-0 to the Czech Republic, and I thought they're going to lose against the English. But they played very well. They kept their composure. They kept the draw. And that draw meant more to the Scottish. The entire UK started celebrating. Well, every Scottish fan throughout the UK started celebrating. There's been 30 arrests in the UK alone because in direct correlation to this draw. They did not even win the game. (laughs) And they're celebrating as if they won. And that's what Scotland and Scottish fans are about. And that's what I love is that they're self-aware that winning against England was most likely never going to happen. They just understood that getting a draw at Wembley in London, that's a bigger deal. And also just embarrassing the English gives them more satisfaction than anything else. So if you go on YouTube and just look up Scottish fans in Euro 2020, there's that spirit of Kaylee where it's like, as long as you're Scottish or as long as you celebrate with us, we're going to have a good time. Because you can see with the Scottish fans, they're just there to have a good time. Whether they win or lose, they're there to have a good time. Just like the Irish fans in the last Euros, they're there to have a good time. So that's how I see Kaylee in this case is it, with, with Scottish football. is that It's how the fans express their love for the team. But not necessarily love for the team, but also just the, the appreciation and the celebration of just being there, you know. And if you listen to the National Anthem of Scotland, it's all about a dream of becoming a country again. And I feel like with football, it kind of gives that validation in a certain way. Whether a Scottish referendum is a good idea or not, that's not what this channel is about. I mean, as someone from Quebec, I'll have my own opinions about it. But what I'm seeing here is just people are just willing to have a good time. Let's forget about COVID-19. Let's forget about politics. Let's forget about economics. And let's just think, let's just celebrate as Scottish people at the Euros. If there's anything I could learn from this lesson is um, be more like Scottish fans as a soccer fan. Myself, as a big soccer fan that loves going to live games, I aspire to be kind of like the Scottish fans. Will I wear kilts? Of course not. Although I find them really cool, but I won't wear kilts. But what I mean is just celebrate the moment. Have a good time. Be positive. Be kind to others. Invite others into your celebration. And then you have a communal event of people just enjoying that moment. Like your race, your age, uh, if you're a new soccer fan or an old school soccer fan, if you're good at soccer, bad at soccer, who cares? We're here to have a good time and celebrate the same team. So when I see soccer fans, especially in Montreal, because I feel like now soccer is growing in Montreal, that some soccer fans are trying to be like hipster pretentious about their fandom. Don't be that. 
be inviting, invite people into the discussion, even if they know nothing of soccer, invite them and enjoy and show that soccer is more of a celebration than it is a douchey competition. Don't get me wrong, it can be very douchey like any other sport, but that's what Scotland has taught me, at least the Scottish fans, is just have a good time. Is that so hard? <laughs> just have a good time. But anyway, I, I, I could go on. I could go on. I've, I, I can go on about Scotland and my time there, or I can go on about Scottish football. But anyway, all this to say is that I want to go to Glasgow. I want to watch a Scotland game at Hampton Park in Glasgow and experience the Hampton roar. And above all, just learn the lessons that maybe you should celebrate a draw. Maybe you should celebrate embarrassing your opposition, even if you don't win. Because, you know, I guess moments are fleeting and enjoy those fleeting moments. Because if you don't enjoy it, then I don't know. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep. That being said, today's episode is on Glasgow and Scotland and how Kaylee, that aspect of celebration, sort of influences that. I could also be reading way into this, but this is sort of the correlation that I'm seeing right now. And this is my interpretation of what's happening. Thank you for being an audience. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to every episode if you have. Don't forget to share, follow, subscribe to Soccer Pilgrim on Instagram, Spotify, on uh, SoundCloud or any other podcast streaming platform. And also you can follow my personal Instagram account at Jason underscore Jisoo, G-I-S-O-O. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you for being an audience. And from Montreal, my name is Jason Kim, and this is Soccer Pilgrim. Oh, and before I go, I want to leave you with one last piece of music or sound clip. And just to give you a further idea of what Scottish fans are like. So the following clip is... Uh, filmed from a French fan at halftime when France was playing Scotland and Scotland was leading in the first half 1-0 and this is a game from like 2006 or something anyway so this was the Scot- this is how the Scottish are in their home stadium at halftime in an international game and for further information the song they're singing is a traditional Scottish folk song called Loch Lomond L-O-C-H-L-O-M-O-N-D Loch Lomond which means Lake Lomond Anyway, enjoy C'est la mi-temps, il n'y a pas de match 